0: On this week's episode, Disney and Hulu may be finally coming together, Zelda sheds its tears of the kingdom, and can Google compete with Samsung and iPhones? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. multiverse this is gerald glassford coming right back at you here from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there to all of our great shows and if you can please give us that magical five star review wherever you get your podcasts plus if you could like share subscribe follow or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football the lakers fast break vampires and vitae also as well go ahead and check out wild beyond a Witchlight with wizards and wine and everything they do there by going ahead and subscribing to all their awesome youtube channels and listening to all the great podcasts they have plus also as well Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you get the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, all day long, every single time out, right there at the Pop Culture Cosmos and our home site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And if you can support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is our own Google Pixel AI. Chat GPT of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today. Of course, right there. Yeah, she the AI is coming alive right now as we speak. There you go. Absolutely. Yes. But you, you can go ahead and check out what she's doing today at, of course, Wizards and Wine, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Of course, everything she does for Vampires and Vitae. And of course, also as well on the Pop Culture Cosmos YouTube channel, check out the awesome games that she's been running in the world of and it is my good friend. It is. Melinda Barkhouse Ross, the AI that you are. Yeah. Trash BT. AI is controlling the world. It actually, we'll be able, we won't, by next week, we will no longer need to do this show in live in person. We're just going to have AI bots do it for us.
1: Yeah, It's perfect. It's perfect.
0: So what's going on, my friend? Anything going down? Everything new? Interesting?
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, there's a few things. We are, as of today, a month away from the launch of Season 3, which will have our vampires for Vampires and Vitae in uh, the dusty world of the Wild West. Uh, so that should be interesting to see how that all unfolds we see oh uh this weekend we're kicking off with character creation everything to do with forbidden lands from free week publishing uh so we're going to get into character creation this week and then gameplay after that which will butt right up against uh the start of season three for vampires and vitae um so we're all very excited about getting that underway Uh, wizards and wine is, uh, is chugging along, uh, the girls. I just had them uh, cross the border of mist into the realm of yawn, uh, with Endolyn, So that should be interesting to see how the girls fare there. And we get back to the table on Monday, I hope for, uh, the Las Vegas table. I do have two players. I know who aren't going to be able to play on Monday. So we're in the process of making a decision on, whether or not to wait or, or to go ahead with uh, with the game on Monday night. So we'll find out there. But other than that, it's Blue Skies and Sunshine.
0: Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing more from Vampires of Vitae coming up for Season 3. If you haven't caught up already, go ahead and check it out wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Plus also as well, Wild Beyond a site with Wizards & Wine. Go ahead and check it out today on the Wizards & Wine outlets wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube and of course everything that you do for us on Vason, right here at the pop culture cosmos cannot thank you enough for doing that looks like you had a great time saw plenty of footage already just truly looked like you were enjoying yourself playing in the world of Vason.
1: yeah it's you know what a fantastic game if you are kind of uh, I don't know, maybe you're, you're a little bored of, uh, you know, all the conventional games, D&D, Vampire, that kind of stuff. Um, maybe even Pathfinder is a little passe for you at this point. Um, you should absolutely uh, check out what Free League Publishing has to offer because uh, it is some great stuff. And uh, we really enjoyed kind of the, the brief time that we got to live in the world of Basin. And um, if you are a tabletop RPG horror fan, this is definitely going to be a game that you're going to want to pick up. It's very cool. And the world can be as wide open or as constrained as you want it to be, which I thought was really interesting for the world of Basin and how you can approach the games as a DM. They they did a really great job on the book and great game. We had a lot of fun.
0: Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed your time with it. Mm -hmm. You can go ahead and check out all the footage today right there on the Pop Culture Cosmos on YouTube. I did also want to go ahead, and, before we get into talking about Disney+, Plus and Hulu, and Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and the second weekend of Guardians of the Galaxy, and Google I.O., and all that good stuff. wanted to go ahead and mention that on the last program, we were talking about the future of SWAT, the television series that, uh, unfortunately, at last week got canceled by CBS. Well... Uh, after a massive uh, turn of events, including a lot of fan support and outcry, especially for a show and a series that, when it got moved over to Fridays, actually increased by double digits percentage wise right. year over year, which was kind of puzzling why they canceled it. CBS, with some hindsight, decided to uncancel SWAT, kind of, sort of maybe you could call it uncanceling because they did renew it for a seventh season, but they're saying it's the final season. And it's only going to be 13 episodes. So it's a short season anyway. So I, again, they're uncanceling it, but then they're canceling it. their short out. I guess it's like, you know, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too, but ultimately there is going to be an end for SWAT, which I think that fans are still coming to grips with that really have embraced it in the past season
1: yeah that feels like a gentle cancellation <laughs> you
0: exactly. know like
1: uh, it's a uh, you know we're we're going to end the show i guess they did it to fringe a couple of times as well and futurama is another one that i can think of that has had these uh, opportunities where they've been canceled but the networks kind of cave to fan pressure or whatever the case is uh, in the case of swat and uh, they they bring it back It's not as it's never as long of a season for some reason. They don't go full season uh, when they do that kind of stuff, or at least they they haven't yet. Uh, They definitely shorten things. But, uh, you know, even a 13 season run or even a 13 episode run is is a decent season, really.
0: Yeah, you're right on that. And on top of everything else, CBS did announce its lineup and uh, so much for CSI Vegas. They put it to Sunday nights at 10 after the football season, which is. Oh, dear. Pretty much a kiss of death. Yeah, poor (sighs) poor Grissom. (laughs) Poor poor Grissom indeed. Even though he's no longer there, he executive produces it. So I'm uh, very sad to see CSI Vegas put in the position that it's in. It looks like that run is probably going to be over here in the not too distant future. So I'm very sorry to see that, but. It is still another season of CSI Vegas, but yeah, definitely if you want to go ahead and check it out, the CBS lineup has been announced for the fall, and it's out there, and we'll go ahead and repost it on the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook here to this evening. By the time you hear this, you'll be able to go ahead and, and check it out as well, but a great show is lined up for us here. We're going to be talking about a lot of good things, but to start off, before we get into Disney Plus and Hulu, I wanted to go ahead and mention this is the second weekend of Guardians of the Galaxy, my friend. Yes. And I think that while everybody would just say, okay, well, we're gonna go catch Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe you know, we didn't get a chance a chance to get in this opening weekend. We're gonna go and catch it now. No problem, not a big deal. To me, after the failure of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in its second and third week, because of the bad word of mouth, because of what's gone on in the previous phase for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the stuff that was trying to throw in that, that they threw at us. And, you know, not a whole lot of it stuck that I think that 2023 and the MCU is contingent on what this movie guardians of the galaxy volume three, how well it will hold up. There's always a superhero drop in the second week for these movies, 50 plus 60 plus, as long as it's not 70, the, getting anywhere near 70% is considered a massive drop, like we saw with Ant-Man and the Wasp Pond But I will say that the next two weeks are crucial for the 2023 prospects for the MCU. Everything down the line, 2024 looks much better, 2025. But for right now, if you want this year to be considered a success moving forward for the MCU, you got to go ahead and produce the next two weeks.
1: Yeah, and I—I I, honestly, everything that I'm seeing, uh, all of the reviews that I'm reading about uh, the the new Guardians of the Galaxy offering, um, everything looks pretty positive, really. Mm. Um, I haven't heard a lot of bad stuff about the movie. It may be the odd comment or two, but uh, nothing too damning. And uh, yeah, everything that I've said, seen is just that it's a it's a proper wrap up uh, to the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. So. Uh, with that kind of information floating around out there, I think it's going to be okay in its second weekend.
0: I think it's going to be okay. It's the third weekend that concerns me because you've got family, 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 family with uh, Vin Diesel coming back for fast X again. Trying to put a car where no man has gone before. <laughs> Let's just drive on the side of a building or a side of a dam this time around. There you go. All right. Yeah. Sounds good to me. But it is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Again, the next two weeks are pretty crucial for any type of long-term success for the Marvel Cinematic Universe here in 2023. I know Secret Invasion is coming up uh, here in the not-too-distant future in June. And then you have the Marvels later this year. But with Disney scaling back on its upcoming projects, with Disney talking about some other things as well, which we'll announce here coming up here on the next segment, it's really kind of concerning what the MCU might be going through in the next few years outside of what the original grand design was that Kevin Feige had laid out at Comic-Con last year and the year before.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things I, I just for some reason, Gerald, and I, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I just feel like the Marvels isn't going to do what
0: You're not you the know, only
1: one. Yeah, I just don't think it's gonna do what Disney needs it to do, what the Marvel Universe needs it to do. Uh so I think that the the first two releases this year, or anyway, Guardians and sorry, I've just mind my Well, well and and a
0: Wasp Contamania.
1: Yeah. Yes. But there's this one, and then uh, Secret oh, Wars. Secret,
0: Inv- Secret Invasion comes on yeah. June 21st. That's the right. one with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who right. I never doubt as uh, a great part of the MCU. Never doubt, uh, Nick Fury. To
1: yeah, you never to should. That. Yeah, no, I, I think that these two movies in particular are going to be pivotal in how Marvel looks at what they have coming down the pipeline.
0: Absolutely, and Secret Invasion is going to be a series, I think six to eight episodes coming out here in june that i'm looking forward to but we'll see what happens with guardians of the galaxy volume 3 if you have thoughts on guardians of the galaxy volume 3 whether or not you liked it you enjoyed it you want to go ahead and see it again and if it helps reinvigorate your interest in a waning mcu for now again they're having some issues now 2024 and 2025 look so much better because you have captain america new world order you have blade hopefully finally getting underway you have obviously uh, with uh, the kang dynasty and the secret wars movies coming up you have the fantastic four you have also the x-men looming on the horizon at some point in time the future looks better than right now in the present
1: yeah i I guess at some point we had to realize that we may have to kind of wade through a bit of muck to get back to the good stuff i suppose there's been a bit of muck yeah there really has been so i i guess uh, that's what we're doing now, but uh you know, the the faithful, the Marvel faithful will be there and they will slug through this and and uh I you know, as long as the future looks bright, I guess.
0: Well, let us know your thoughts on what's going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three hits for a second weekend. Let us know your thoughts, pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, there's more to talk about. Speaking of Disney, Disney had its annual shareholders. Actually, it was actually his quarterly shareholders update, giving everybody the update on what's going on with Disney plus and like virtually all streaming outlets right now, they have hit a little bit of a snag, some growing pains, a little bit of a wall, whatever you want to say. It's uh, struggling to go ahead and get far. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose 4 million subscribers in the last quarter, not only based off of what here and that they did in the States, as far as less content that's appealing overall. Also the fact that they lost a valuable cricket licensing uh, in India for the Indian uh, cricket league. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely crucial to that marketplace and losing that obviously uh, meant a, you know, I got to go to whatever the competitor is as far as in India, but also as well here in the States, it just shows that some restructuring has been needed. And so Bob Iger has announced that, you know, there is going to be some restructuring done. And even though they don't own full Hulu yet, uh, they do have the option, starting in 2024, to go ahead and demand uh, that uh, Comcast sell over the remaining part of it. As of now, they don't have to do it, but in 2024, they can demand at any time that Comcast pay out the $9, 10, or or whatever. Or just basically that they get the $9, $10 billion and go away, and then Disney would own it outright. But as for now, they oh, they have a, still have a shared shared uh, operational deal. But it was announced by Bob Iger that later this year, you will see something that I've been clamoring for for eons, be even before <laughs> you started this show. Yes, uh, yes, and that is a combined experience on one app with Hulu and Disney Plus, which will debut sometime later this year. I would love it if they put ESPN Plus and put it all in one big thing. I understand that they do the bundle packages, everyone out there, but it's kind of different because you still have to do one and two and three. They need to put it all on one platform like they do everywhere else in the world with the Hot Star or the Star Network or whatever they call it, the Hot Star type deal that they do all over the world where they combine everything on one platform. They're now starting to do with the announcement that Hulu and Disney Plus is all coming together on one, finally, one app platform.
1: Fantastic. Honestly. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, I'm I'm optimistic about that because sometimes, and I don't know if it's just our house and we just don't have the best internet or what the story is, but I have problems with Hulu and Paramount Plus the most out of all of the apps that we have. So I, I'm hoping that having some of the Hulu content come over into Disney Plus uh, will help us not have those problems with the Hulu content anymore. I'm, I'm hoping for that kind of fix. Uh, you know, just per, on a personal level, I wrote to Bob and said, hey, Bob, do you mind well, looking into this? And now this is happening. So
0: Right outside of uh, Disney <laughs> World out there, there's this crazy Canadian lady with the sign yeah. that says, Bob, fix my internet. I need more Hulu in my life. There you go.
1: I mean, it's fair, right? It's a fair request.
0: Absolutely. But uh, (laughs) it is going to be something. It's getting closer to what I had envisioned and imagined. It's something I called that would need to be done. Just put it all on one app. Just make it all a one experience thing. Just go ahead and put it all there. Especially, I think the key is ESPN. If they put the live sports if you go to Disney Plus and you have all the Hulu content, all the Disney Plus content and then you have the live sports, that's something Netflix doesn't have. And with the company with Disney Plus right now, that's hemorrhaging viewers. They're now they were up at a high like 163, 64 million. Now they're down to 156. They were really going far, going fast. To regain that momentum, if they could put it all in one experience, they would have something that Netflix really doesn't have as of yet. Live experiences on a multitude grand scale, which would include sports, live events, and truly a lot of things that maybe Netflix couldn't offer right now at the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's the smart move. And, and hopefully, you know, a couple of, a couple of moves down the, ch- the chess board where you will, uh, we'll have all of that combined into one app. on, this, on
0: one app. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This, this, this could be the first step to them, you know, drawing the same conclusions that I know you've been talking about for a while. It's almost like you should go and work for Bob. You think? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I've been asking
0: for years for something like this. You know, I and they ha- the thing is, it's not like they don't know exists. They have this in countries around the world where it's a one app hot star experience. I believe is yeah. what it's called in the other countries. And they chose not to do this in the states and just put this, you know, all oh, we'll do the Hulu here and the ESPN plus there and the and the Disney plus there. It's like a it just a genius tells you to simplify things a lot easier make it easier for the consumer and I'm glad that they're starting to go ahead and focus on that so by the end of this year at least Hulu and Disney will be on one app eventually they got to go ahead and put ESPN because ESPN has not been doing great overall as well as a company so they I think again putting it all in one app Making it all one unique streamlined experience, I think, will probably go ahead and give it that reigniting boost that, that that Disney Plus and Disney absolutely needs.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that there are people out there who, um, you know, don't have Disney Plus and, and see it just as a, as an app that has a bunch of stuff for kids on it. Uh, so perhaps combining the two of them is going to bring over that kind of a viewer who is not necessarily interested in Disney or Marvel or Star Wars stuff, uh, but uh, does faithfully watch stuff on Hulu. And it's go- it could expose them uh, to a lot of the great stuff that Disney Plus does have to offer. So it's a, I think it's a really positive move. I think it's strategic, but it's also a little later than, you know, we would have liked to have seen.
0: But it gives you something that Disney Plus sorely needs is, uh, you know, things that trend towards an adult marketplace. I understand with the Disney name and the family name, you didn't want to go ahead and bring a lot of the Hulu content, which again, borders on PG-13, some rated R, adult content, things of that nature. You wanted to try and avoid that, but then you started bleeding a little bit into it. Like when Hamilton came in, as far as the live, Hamilton mm-hmm. performance on Disney Plus with the F bombs that they threw. And then you had, you know, of course, Deadpool that they wanted they brought over, you know, it was on Hulu and then they decided to bring it over to Disney Plus because of the fact that, you know, Deadpool brings in the viewership. Yeah. You're starting to bleed all this adult content anyways. Go ahead and bring it all in because it's just such a massive win. Hulu is never going to gain the foothold, even with the live TV option that you can buy for it. It was never going to gain the foothold that Disney Plus has already. And Hulu started well before Disney Plus. It's funny because I'd always loved, if I ever had the resource to do so, I would love to do like a documentary on all these channels that had the same kind of jump that Netflix did mm-hmm. in the mid-2010s that had the same kind of, you know, like, like Crackle. If you remember yep. Sony's Crackle at that mm-hmm. time, which Sony no longer owns, they there's these outlets. There were like three or four that had the same kind of advantages that that uh, you know that Netflix had. Yet Netflix was the one that made the right moves that came out on top. I would love to see or do or be part of a documentary. They do just that. that. That was just that. That's something I had always thought about. That would be a great thing to come, come up with. So yeah. yeah
1: that'll be one of those things that happens like a decade from now when they're like, you know, let's look back at the starting of streaming and yes. how all of this stuff played out and the deep, dark seedy secrets of the early days of of television streaming and all of that, that will be fun television to watch. And I can't wait.
0: <laughs> well, there wasn't all good news outside of obviously losing money on the Disney plus and their parks are actually doing better, which was good to hear, but people are going back to the parks again, Disney worlds and, and Disneylands all over the world. So that's great mm-hmm. to see. But the one thing about their Disney Plus is they've already, Bob Iger's already said as far as there would be a, a maturing and less of a lessening of content. He's already told us that in recent weeks. So we already knew that was coming. But he didn't tell us and didn't prepare us for this is that there are uh, or there will be content that will be going off of Disney Plus, which I know as a Disney Plus viewer to you, it does not come as uh, you know welcome news. Oh wait, I just got this in uh, the first thing that is going to be uh, <laughs> that is going to be removed is Emperor's New Groove. No, it's That not. will uh, That's I've got it right here. No, it's, it's yeah, not it's not. Emperor's no, it's not. New Groove no, it's not. is going to be removed <laughs> from Disney Plus. I'm just sorry. I'm so you sorry. You cannot
1: Disrupt the groove. Okay. You'll get right. thrown out of the palace. <laughs> and then Hercules is next. Hercules no. okay. is next. That no. would be the next groove. No. Definitely not. The muses will never be taken off of Disney Plus. Are you kidding me? Those curls. Come I'm on. I'm
0: kidding. I'm kidding. No. Everybody Look, listening you, out there. I'm hot.
1: Like you got me, you got me sweating over it, Gerald. Where's my fan? Uh, all
0: right, all right. No Ooh. worries. Disney Plus has not announced any of which content is going to be removed. I'm just joking with Melinda on both those properties because they're her favorites on Disney Plus. But they are—they will be removing. We've seen this already with HBO Max. We've seen this already with other streaming outlets. But HBO Max, in order to combine it for what's coming up here in a couple of weeks with Max, that's going to be something that's going—you know—that they've done is they've removed content over the course of the past year or so. Disney Plus is going to be following suit. I have a feeling that other streaming outlets are also going to follow suit on this as well in in much more great detail. It's bad for the consumer as far as less choices, but from an economic standpoint, I can't say I blame them because if you have stuff that's just sitting there that you have to pay residuals on that people don't watch very much, it makes sense that they go ahead and remove it for another day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's definitely, well, Understanding that I'm I'm also not a kid, shocking information for everyone to really? learn. I know, I know, I know, uh, but there are definitely parts of Disney Plus that that I never go into, like the the Disney Channel TV shows and and stuff like that. Like I never go to that stuff. I would be surprised if they did actually get rid of any of the animated films.
0: Yeah, that would that would surprise me as well. Yeah, uh, I, I know so you know anything relating to Star Wars and Marvel, those are probably safe, yeah, I would think. Uh, you know, as far as anything connected to those two universes, but National Geographic, you know, it, it, some people love National Geographic. I know here at the house, there's certain things that they love, as far as from the, uh, I guess, the there's the airport check-in shows that they, they, as far as to, you know, to catch a smuggler and all that, that, that stuff (laughs) that, that gets uh, people going as far as that stuff. But some of the national geographic stuff could be out there as well, because that's something that isn't talked about as much as part of the Disney plus consortium is that one of the channels that's there is national geographic. So that could be an option as far as taking some stuff off there as well. But yeah, there will be a lessening of content, which is, kind of disappointing to hear but it's understandable when you're not generating the kind of money that you thought you would be with 150 plus a million viewers subscribers you got to go ahead and make some cuts and unfortunately some footage is going to be and some content is going to be just that
1: yeah i hope they don't get like take too much out of the national geographic stuff though i mean i i'm a sucker for a good documentary it doesn't even really I was going to say, it doesn't matter what the content of the documentary is, but it absolutely does. But there's some really good stuff there uh, for people to watch. And uh, the the great part about them is, is how entertaining I find them to be when I do uh, kind of kick back. And for some reason, I don't know what it is. Some people watch, you know, uh, you know, the first 24 hours or the first 48, whatever that show was called. I like to watch a documentary just to turn the brain off and, and start to relax a little bit. And you know, so dipping into the National Geographic stuff, I probably don't do as much as I should. But, you know, I, I just hope that they don't completely gut it. I hope that they do keep the majority of the stuff that's there.
0: I hope so, too, as well. I mean, obviously, the last time that they had something that really sparked interest on a worldwide global scale was the Chris Hamsworth National Geographic series, where he found out some really disheartening news about his hmm. genetic predisposition to Alzheimer's. So yeah. that kind of really freaked him out, and he's uh, actually talked about scaling back his his acting duties since he found out that diagnosis. That's a possibility that he's at greater risk of that. That was very compelling to watch. I know that series, but you're right. Uh, you know, there's there's so much that's still on National Geographic they can utilize, and mm-hmm. you you will be seeing a lessening of content. So I'm concerned exactly what. Hopefully, they won't touch Tron either.
1: Better not touch Tron. <laughs> you know what, Gerald? I because when you're okay so like you you're scrolling on disney plus right i'm trying to remember the screen as i sit here and yeah. and we're yeah, anyway and With it's channel like selections, right so maybe if they pulled it out of having it as like a separate entity inside of the disney plus thing if they took it and they made it part of that initial menu that might help that stuff a little bit
0: we'll see my friend maybe emperor's new groove and hercules Ooh. will be off that algorithm or be removed
1: no, don't say it. Don't say okay. it. Don't say All it. Right. I would still have Mulan. I would still have Mulan. I would be well, okay. Let's <laughs> No, plus. it can't happen. No. <laughs> All
0: right, but if you have thoughts on what should go, what may go, or what you don't want to go and don't want to leave from Disney+, plus, plus thoughts on Disney+, plus and Hulu finally coming together in stage one of my evil master plan that I've talked about for years now, coming together later this year onto one app. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go here at the PCC Multiverse. Once again, it's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching, listening. We truly appreciate it. One of the things I did want to ask you before we get to a whole big conversation on Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is: first, Google had a recent their recent teleconference press conference. You know promotion on how great they are called a Google IO. And obviously they talked about, you know, all the things Google was, whether it's YouTube related, whether it's their browser, Google Chrome related, all the advancements and AI technology. And I want to get into AI technology a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts on this, but one of the things that they did promote was the Google Pixel phone. Which I have been seeing heavy advertising for in the, when the during the NBA playoffs, because as you know, I host an NBA-related show, The Lakers Fast Break. Please like and subscribe. You know how I got that in there. <laughs> yes, but absolutely. But one of the things that they've heavily promoted, and as part of that advertising for the the NBA playoffs, is for the Google Pixel phone which they're pushing hard they're talking about how you could take a photo and then if there's something in the background that you don't like like for instance if Robbie Ross is in the background your husband you want to delete him out of there got the google pixel just goodbye Robbie
1: or if it's me
0: goodbye Gerald (laughs) or if it's Emperor's New Groove goodbye Emperor's New Groove
1: it's not fair
0: okay I'm just teasing (laughs) I'm just teasing you're gonna make me
1: emotional
0: But you know about the Magic Eraser feature on the Google Pixel. That's something they've been promoting very heavily. But that phone itself with the automatic translator and everything right there has been really something they've been pushing over the past few weeks during the NBA playoffs. So I ask you that, once again, it was a major part of their press conference was during this Google I.O. conference. And before we get into all this AI stuff with ChatGPT and the AI stuff, which we eventually had to get into at some point because it's hard to... Ignore it as yeah. continuing as it, as it is, because 2023 is becoming the year of AI. Your thoughts, though, on the Google Pixel. Right now, this market is dominated by iPhones and then the largest Android maker, which is Samsung, which is what I have in my hand right here. Your thoughts, my friend, on if the Google Pixel can break through and become that next thing in the cellular market because you know as i know first motorola way back then pack bell mm-hmm. you had uh nokia nokia just you know they were dominating the market at various points of times before the iphone but as soon as the iphone hit it was like iphone or android and that's the thing in like our house iphone or android my wife and i are the android holdouts and everybody else's iphone in our rest of our entire family so your, your thoughts on this, can the Google Pixel at some point in time break through and become a standout, you know, almost like the console market? You have Nintendo, PlayStation, and then you have Xbox. Right now, do you think Google Pixel can become that Xbox in the cellular market?
1: Uh, whew, that's, a, that's a tough one. So because I'm from Canada, um, I was able to get and hold on to a Huawei phone. Uh, for a lot longer than you all were able to down here in the States. And And it
0: is more popular overseas, Asia market. I
1: love the Huawei phone. It is so good. And the camera and the video on it is fantastic. And uh, for the job that I had at the time, it was brilliant because I was able to take really clean videos uh, to use on social media for the radio station I was working for at the time. Uh, the, The photos and stuff that we needed for social media were just fantastic with the Huawei. And the iPhone, it doesn't matter what version of iPhone, and the Android couldn't come close to what the Huawei phone was capable of at the time. And this was just three or four years ago now. So what I'm saying is there's a hole right now, I think, in the North American market for a convincing competitor for the iPhone and the Android. I hope that this Google phone is the answer because I'm soon going to be in the market and going to be able to, to upgrade my phone. From what I saw, they're going in direct competition for the Android phone that folds, right?
0: My wife has a Samsung folding phone at this point in time. I'm, I'm not convinced uh, I, I, I'm i going to get one. I'd rather may still stick with, with the, the traditional smartphone. Yeah, uh, because my wife did have problems with one where okay. the, the, it fold it would no longer fold. So she had to get it uh, sent in for a new one. She got a new one and now this one works great. So I gave right. her all the credit for that. But yeah. it's something I did have concerns with. I will say though, with the Huawei phone, Huawei has never really to any extent publicly marketed their phone here in the United States. So that's, I don't know if that's, that's to their detriment or they just said, you know, we're going to give up this this market for iPhone and Samsung and let them have their way with it. But there's been years where Nokia and some other individual cell phone makers out there have tried to revive or create their business and become that third entity. I remember Microsoft had its own smartphone at one point in time that, that unfortunately failed miserably. I just think at this point in time, Google Pixel Even though we said this before, as far as with the console market and Google's attempt to go ahead and get into that market, which unfortunately crashed and burned. I think that the Google Pixel is a better opportunity and looks better and showcases itself better and is promoted better as an alternative to Samsung and iPhone at this point in time.
1: I wonder, because one of the um, uh, cast members that we have for Vampires and Vitae, actually plays in Wizards and Wine too, Sean. Uh, he has the fold-out Android phone. And if they took what they tried to do with video games and turned those into mobile games and marketed the Pixel fold-out as like the ultimate gaming, take-it-with-you-everywhere phone, that might be a thing. That might be and, something.
0: And put Xbox Games Pass on it because those games, <laughs> again, that's that's where Xbox right. wants to do. Xbox doesn't want to sell as... Phil Spencer's told us that really pissed me off, to be quite honest with you, because he said, oh, yeah, we're just, you know, we're not in it to sell consoles. We're just want to put Xbox Games Pass on every platform. He basically admitted to that in a recent yeah. interview, which absolutely got me so angry and so disappointed all at the same time. That's great. You want to put it on every TV and and cellular phone. That's great. But the thing is, you're still selling consoles and the consoles should still be at the heart of what you do. But that's a, that's another argument altogether. But you're right, if that would be the case and it'd be a true gaming phone, although Sony and Microsoft have both tried to put out gaming phones before and they've not really gone very far with it, maybe with the technology the way it is now, maybe it could go ahead and, and do just that. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that a gaming phone you know, because we see where where people do the switch, the switch seems to satisfy most people's needs for a portable unit, as we'll talk about with Zelda. But I'm just thinking right now, a gaming phone is an iffy proposition right now.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I can see that. But uh, so <laughs> it's. So I play a bingo game on my phone because oh, okay. I am I am youthful and young and not showing my age at all by talking about how I play bingo on my phone. Okay.
0: okay. You live in Las Vegas, which is the bingo <laughs> capital of the world. So. Right. So,
1: yeah. So, but the the idea that i could just go out and get the google phone and have it on that big old flip screen and everything would be bigger because i need to get my glasses uh, my eyes tested because my glasses just aren't working for me anymore right now that would be such a boon because everything would just be huge and it would be perfect and i could see everything perfectly but really i i do think that and this is going to be a little this may sound weird but i think that if they can take the google phone and they can market it to People in their late teens, in early 20s, if you can nail that demographic, because they tend to be tastemakers. Mm-hmm. And if people are seeing, you know, youthful or young people enjoying this new product, they may be a little more apt to give it an opportunity, like to give it a chance where maybe they wouldn't have before.
0: Well, that's something that they always try to do now these days. They have, they said, you know, test marketers and they go ahead to focus groups and they say, oh yeah, young people pushing these products, that's what sells because the young individuals out there between the demographic, you know, 17 to 30, let's say, that's the demographic you want to go ahead and target because that's the one with the most free cash to go ahead and be able to spend on products such as these.
1: Well, sure, but what I, what I always found a, a little bit infuriating, and now that I'm approaching that age myself, there is a point where in adulthood... What, uh, 17? Yeah, yeah, okay. yes. There is okay. a point, though, in adulthood where you uh, kind of, you crest a hill, and as you come down the other side of the hill, all of a sudden your cash starts to free up again. So... Maybe marketing to the upper end this time would be the correct answer for the Google Pixel phone. But then you're going to have the the reputation of just being the phone for the old people, I guess. So that's a double-edged blade, I suppose. It Uh, is. It is. But
0: again, uh, what they're doing now, I think, with the NBA playoffs and Google Pixel, I really think is smart. But before we head to the break, my friend, one of the other things I want to go ahead and mention that it is now being talked about almost as a byproduct and a selling point. I've seen it with Microsoft doing with AI, the first to do with AI with this and Google IO, they talked about how they're working with you know AI and, and the chat GPT and all that stuff. Artificial intelligence is becoming more of a hot button issue, both good and bad as far as the advancement and also to the detriment of certain things in our society, social media, pop culture, television, entertainment uh business uh, politics everything as far as that's concerned i want to hear your thoughts ai i think the ai revolution i think is uh, you know at some point in time is going to just grow and grow and grow and that's something that you're not going to be able to avoid but i think it's something we have to be very careful with obviously advancements in technology is always something that should be appreciated lauded if it's done carefully and done correctly but you have to look at it from all points of view with AI. Some of those movies and some of those fears and some of those books and some of those things we've read over the years about AI going rogue and controlling the world is something that obviously is still a fear that's out there. But AI is something, if it's done correctly and embraced correctly, could be something that benefits everyone for so many things.
1: Well, sure. And I I personally, um, I use ChatGPT almost on a daily basis. Really? How so? Well, in a couple of different ways, because I run two tables through the same game, and the two tables are are really starting to uh, kind of go their separate ways, setting up what the campaign they're going to be playing after we wrap uh, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So, Mm -hmm. consulting ChatGPT just to talk my way through a plot point that I want to introduce, or if I'm wondering about, uh, I don't know, some piece of the the Feywild or, or something like that. Uh, I can go to chat GPT and I can, we can just kind of talk back and forth about it. And I can talk my way through the the problem that I'm having. So I'm not going to chat GPT to have it just give me the solution to my problem. I'm using it as a tool to help me figure something out and, and find a way to work around the problem that I'm having. I'm not asking it for the answer. Uh, I'm just using it to help me work my way through in my brain, uh, what I need to do to make a certain thing work in my next session of a game, for example. It's about prompts, really. And I think that the that's the, the biggest problem that I have with it, I suppose, is just making sure that my prompts are correct and, and that I'm using the, the right stuff. But um, I, I am in favor of AI. I, I think that it's going to be an incredible aid for all of us. But as you said, it, we do need to be, I think, cautious about how quickly we adopt it and how quickly we start to put it into really important places. It probably already runs more than we realize it does, which is you know, a little bit of an uncomfortable thought to have. But uh, right now, uh, the way that I've been using ChatGPT uh, almost on a daily basis has been incredibly helpful. I can go back through and I can walk through uh, character creation conversations that I've had I can walk through, you know, the in one of the tables that I'm doing for Wizards and Wine. They're going to be doing like a, a prologue to the Curse of Strad. So you're going to see Strad von Zarovich as he was a, a warlord and as he's out conquering and and uh, meeting the Vistani and uh, the Balvertzi and and seeing what's going on with them and and why they were such a threat to him and and all of that kind of stuff. So Chat GPT has given me the opportunity to say, okay, this is what I want to do this is what I think the first step should be. Where do I go from here to continue to tell the story? And of course it's like, I'm I'm a machine. I can't help you think, but I can help you uh, come up with some themes maybe that would be good to explore for that kind of stuff. So um, I do think it's a tremendous tool, especially um, in the world of, of tabletop RPGs. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also quite biased about that to be honest. So.
0: Well, again, if it, it's helping people Create better products ultimately out of it. And that to me is beneficial. It sounds beneficial. And in no way, shape, or form should that part of it or that use of it be feared. It should be welcomed as far as a useful tool to help you get a better product ultimately out there for your players to go ahead and experience a better outcome for your tabletop RPG. That I completely understand. But obviously, (laughs) when it gets into the Bigger dynamics of things, and what do you allow AI to do and not to do going forward? There's got to be a lot of decisions made. Exactly what's going on, obviously, and then we've seen the AI fake videos that are out there, you know, and whatnot. So that's again um, could be construed as a misuse of AI. And and going forward, we're not sure exactly. Who's going to be using it for what purposes, which ones are going to be using it for good, and which ones are you be going to use it for nefarious purposes? We'll have to determine that. But the way you are utilizing it sounds like it's very productive for you and your players.
1: Well, of that, and it also keeps me out of sending any of my chats that I have set up to communicate with my players or other players if I'm in a game that I'm not running. What it's doing is... It's stopping me from just like information dumping and asking a thousand questions a day to people who, you know, are actually have important things that they need to do <laughs> during the day. So it's, it's giving me uh, an outlet for when I, when I need to get some of that creative stuff done, it's giving me the prompts and and the inspiration that I need to kind of jump off from what it's giving me without me having to consult uh, players and and interrupting their day with 50 questions about things that don't really matter, but matter in terms of gameplay and, and stuff like that. So uh, in that approach, it's been incredibly helpful.
0: Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. I mean, AI is going to be doing a lot of things. Again, can't wait to see what develops. Although wait, I'm actually going out of town here at the end of this month. So <laughs> you could host a show with an AI Gerald And I'll make sure, although with the AU controlling the AI, Gerald, it's seemingly you're going to be talking out, so Gerald, it's going to be a great weekend at the box office. I can't wait to see it. And my response on the AI, Gerald, will be, Melinda Barkhouse-Ross is the greatest radio show host ever. (laughs) And so, Gerald, that's going to be a great game. Diablo is going to be an awesome game. Melinda Barkhouse-Ross is the greatest radio show host (laughs) ever. All right,
1: i'll erase i'll erase the file it's fine
0: (laughs) you're just gonna be putting on repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat what did you say joe i I couldn't quite hear melinda barkhouse ross is the greatest radio show host ever there you go ai for you indeed yeah once again it is about the future of artificial intelligence hopefully it'll be a little bit more elaborate than what i just described but uh, great talk, great conversation, especially what Melinda Barkhouse Ross uses it for. I think that's that's very beneficial. So have you used AI, ChatGPT? Have you heard it? What's going on? Are you studying it? Did you see what was coming out of what, what came out of Google I.O. with the Google Pixel? And of course, with AI, the future of AI and how they're incorporating it, what Microsoft is doing and other companies are doing. Are you concerned or welcoming a future of AI? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And also let us know, can Google Pixel just break through and become that big number three with Samsung and iPhones here in the US? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. But before we head on out, it is finally here. The next Whopper game that Nintendo has put out. I mean, we always talk, you and I go back and forth, Xbox, Mm -hmm. PlayStation. I go back and forth with TJ and in the past with Josh. Xbox, Xbox, PlayStation, PlayStation, and then Nintendo, just with its underpowered machine, which happens to be portable and everybody loves because they throw out a Mario or they throw out a Zelda, every now and then just seems Mm -hmm. to go under the radar and sell 150 million units, one of the greatest selling units of all time. They talk about how there's, you know, they recently announced that there's not going to be a new Nintendo Switch this year. Maybe next year, we don't know yet. But they don't, re- you know, even though the sales are slower now because, you know, ultimately everybody has a Nintendo Switch, seemingly almost. That you know, you don't need to sell too many more of them. But you just got to keep on putting out the games. And this week, and this weekend, boy, what a game that they put out this weekend as Zelda Tears of the Kingdom debuts it's getting massively good reviews you could already probably count it down right now and just count it right now as the game of the year for 2023 because it has already got a 96 out of 100 one of the greatest scoring games of all time on metacritic it is absolutely be a being beloved by so many people out there expanding on the previous zelda it is something again as far as an expansive world I have no idea how Nintendo is able to go ahead and get every bit out of it that no one else can that tries anything on the Nintendo. Your thoughts, Zelda, this big, vast, huge world, absolutely huge world is now expansive to you. It, it takes the everything that you know from the previous Zelda and just, which is one of, if it actually, it's one of the most popular games of all time on the Nintendo Switch and just makes it even better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And everything that that I'm reading about the game itself is is uh, talking about the smooth gameplay. The story is a very good story. I haven't read any spoilers about it. So don't worry about me spoiling anything that has to do with the, the actual story that the game takes you through. Um, but, you know, everything that I'm reading is indicating to me that there will be millions of jars broken this weekend.
0: I mean, with all the success, Riding High from Super Mario Brothers movie, and now with Zelda Tears in the Kingdom. This looks like it's going to be a great year for Nintendo as they close out on the back end of the cycle for the Nintendo Switch. So what are your thoughts up there on Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? Are you excited for it? Are you playing it? Are you as really entranced as you were with the previous Zelda? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we head on out, my friend, you mentioned your game, Diablo. Diablo 4. Diablo 4 came out recently this week with some updated news. Of course, you talked about the stress test. It's this weekend, That's uh, if I'm not mistaken?
1: Yeah, it starts tomorrow.
0: Okay. But they recently announced this week as far as, a the I think, the pricing and the options for the battle pass. Is that correct?
1: Oh, right, yes.
0: So that came out, and uh, Melinda has not yet looked at this. But she is going to be interested in it because as a Diablo 4, I guess, a super fan, she is going to be looking into getting this. So your thoughts, my friend, on the Diablo 4 Battle Pass options and the fact that, you know, Diablo 4 is going to be uh, something really we're looking forward to here next month. Okay. Free
1: Battle Pass is available to everyone, adding 27 tiers with rewards like Smoldering Ashes and other cosmetics. Okay. Right. That sounds good. As okay. for Diablo's four paid Battle Pass options, additions include right. a premium pass for 10 bucks. You get 63 additional tiers, two full cosmetic armor sets for each class, weapon and armor cosmetics, and seasonal mount and mount armor. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, accelerated Pass, 25 bucks. All perks from the Premium Pass immediately unlock 20 tiers and wings of the creator emote. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Is this a good value? Is this something you'd be interested in? Something you feel like you're obligated to get?
1: I don't think I feel obligated to get it, but I think what will happen in our house, <laughs> because I'm sure everybody is super interested, but I think that, uh, the way that I would probably do it is I will play through the game, I'll finish the game, and then I'll decide how important landing the premium pass or the accelerated pass truly would be. Yeah, I, I think that that's what I would probably how I'd probably approach it. Yeah, we don't even have dates yet for uh, Diablo Four Season One, so that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, but we'll. Uh, We'll see what happens when the, the big release happens. But man, I am I am looking forward to stress testing some servers this weekend.
0: Absolutely indeed. But if you have thoughts on the new Battle Pass pricing or the stress test coming this weekend on Diablo 4, if you got any thoughts on how you enjoyed it, didn't enjoy it, and your hopes for Diablo 4 next month, please let us know at PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, you killed it again. Another great episode. You've got me real. No AI. Uh, before we head on out i wanted to go ahead and ask maybe on an upcoming episode i know we don't usually touch on the past too much because it's Mm -hmm. a current news thing like that but i was watching youtube the other night and i was popped up on my algorithm as far as the 10 best episodes of tos the ritual star trek so i figured you know since you're always talking star trek and you are true trekkie and i'm always talking star trek and how much I enjoyed the last season of Picard, and how I, you know, all that Strange New Worlds. Really waiting for that as well. Thinking maybe we should go ahead and go back in time a little bit one of these days and just talk about some of the favorite episodes that we have of the original series and how it all the began.
1: Trouble with tribbles, man.
0: <laughs> I know, but if you have a list, ever we should we should come up with a list and see what. Yeah,
1: challenge yeah. accepted.
0: Okay, but go ahead and check us out. Again, all over the place, social media, Pop Culture Cosmos, the latest news and trends in pop culture, always showcased at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Go ahead and check me out on Lakers Fast Break and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Melinda Barkhouse Ross can always be found right there for you at Vampires and Vitae, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, Wizards and Wine on YouTube with Wild Beyond the Witchlight and everything going on there. And then, of course, all the great work that she did with Basin and that you can see right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos on YouTube. Any thoughts on where you want to go next?
1: Yeah, we're g- we're going into Forbidden Lands, and I get to be a player this time, so I'm I'm very excited for that. Tyler, who has is one of the original cast members. He's really excited about the, the story and the content and the way that they have everything laid out uh, for Forbidden Lands. So uh, I'm excited to, to get in there and and sink my teeth into the system. It feels familiar to Basin. So I think it's going to make it a little bit easier for the table to just pick up and, and kind of plow forward a little bit faster than we were able to with Basin. So, uh, but yeah, no, when Tyler gets excited about something, I know it has to be good, so.
0: Very interesting indeed. I'll be glad to go ahead and check it out and i'm glad to see that you're enjoying it you're having fun with it i'm looking forward to seeing more adventures i know that you also talked about lord of the rings the one ring all those adventures i know the lord of the rings officially announced itself as far as the tabletop rpg version is concerned so definitely looking forward to seeing if that is going to be successful free league publishing which has just been a great partner of ours Indeed, giving us all these great opportunities for gaming adventures. I just cannot mm-hmm. thank them enough. And uh, again, just, just some great adventures that I think you have lined up for us here at the Pop Culture Gospels.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they they released the One Ring, and they've also released a, a 5e-compatible Lord of the Rings. So Colin from The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, who plays less he has agreed to take on the lord of the rings 5e compatible game because he knew which way a very important river ran when we were when we were talking about the one ring and and how how we wanted to execute stuff and, and things like that so we were like okay you are our lord of the rings guy so you're going to run these games so we we do have things planned even beyond Forbidden Lands. And, and when Vampires and Vitae starts back up again for the new season, we'll be picking an evening that will be dedicated to Freely Publishing.
0: So definitely look forward to it on the Pop Culture Cosmos and also their great shows Vampires of Vitae and Wizards and Wine. So for Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. I think it's the real Gerald Glassford. Is this the AI, <laughs> Gerald Glassford? Are you the AI, Melinda? <laughs> Who knows?
1: I'll never tell.
0: It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the
1: PCC
0: multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.